a little bit about saints are in partnership, and right out of the gate we see this, that he's praying, he's not, he doesn't say, you know what I do, I pray, and whenever I think of you, I start praying ways that I've compared our life. I pray about I don't have. You know that. He doesn't say, you know, every time God brings you to mind, I start to pray for myself. He says, no, I'm praying, and in partnership with God, in submission to who God is and his sovereign plan, I'm praying when this God, when this Lord puts you into my mind and my heart, it fills me with great joy to speak about the way that we're partnering toward the gospel. And so that's the number two, is that the saints not only pray, but a saint wants to advance the message of Jesus Christ. Well, if you look in verses 12, it says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Saying about this is, if you, if you know the situation as we've been going through Philippians, Paul has been in jail. And he's saying, through all the circumstances, even though I'm on house arrest here, I'm speaking to soldiers. I'm reaching thousands of soldiers. So as I think about you, as you're on my mind, as I pray and we receive the power to partner, I want you to know that God has advanced his message and his kingdom through me. Even though while I'm in chains, these soldiers are starting to get the gospel. You know what these soldiers are talking about? They're talking about Jesus. So sometimes we go, oh, my circumstances, they stink, or I don't like the way that this is coming out today or, or tomorrow, and I'm just going to tell you, I was the first in line of the whining this week. I had a terrible week of being depressed and having self-pity. It was ridiculous. I mean, all-time high. Completely broken because I was so centered on myself. Instead, God calls us, and he whispers to and with love. And ever so patiently, God says, these circumstances, you can be content with it. You may be totally and utterly at the end of your rope, but in these circumstances, I can advance the gospel first in you and in your heart. I can spread like a wonderful, beautiful virus of love and beauty within you. And then when God does that, what's the first thing you really want to do? You want to share that with somebody else. You know what God has done in my life? He's brought this contentment and this peace, even though my circumstances have been terrible. There was a family in the church this week that I went and visited in the hospital. They had some real circumstances that would rattle you. They were the ones reminding me of the peace. I think I came to their mind. It's so funny to think that the people in the hospital are praying for you. We want the word of God to spread. If you're in the hospital, then you want that to go to the nurse and the doctors. You want them to see the glory despite your circumstances. If if you're in a tough position in your relationships, God wants to bring contentment to you where the odds are stacked up against your relationships, your marriages, and, and the way that you're raising your children and, or the fact that you want to be married and have children or 
don't or whatever your career situation is. But as God is in that, as you find yourself discontent, God wants to speak to you. And how much greater is it when saints pray for each other? Oh, you, your unemployed situation was brought to my mind and my heart. I'm filled with joy to pray for that. And God will advance the gospel through your situation, whatever your situation may be. Saints pray, saints are in partnership, and saints proclaim Christ. I've heard so many excuses, so many different ways for the people who don't want to be Christ in action and for the people who don't want to be Christ coming out of your mouth. We proclaim Christ. There's a numerous ways to do that and the situations dictate and the Holy Spirit will tell you how you'll do that. But it, you are a saint if you want to advance the gospel. The empowerment. In 19 verse, or actually in verse 18, he talks about the rejoicing of advancing this. Look at verse 18, he says, Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. He's saying this, I'm over myself. This is a terrible situation that I'm a part of. But unbelievably so, despite these circumstances, claims the advancement of the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ, the, that who, of which who we glory in, has been spoken of has been seen, has been revealed, a living God. And he says, that stokes me. I'm totally stoked. When is the last time that we were a part of a situation where it looked bad and somebody's looking in your eyes and they keep looking in your eyes and they keep looking in your eyes and they're like, you're also taking drugs because you look too happy. No, this is Joy. Even though everything looks a wreck to you, and on my worst moment, I want to escape the way I look to others, but the truth is, is I'm so anchored in Jesus Christ that I rejoice in the fact that I get to continuously say his name in this situation. And it is puzzling and upside down to the rest of the world. How that happens is when we see what Jesus did to advance the gospel when we see the prayers that he prayed before he died on the cross, when we see with joy, although the beginning of this fellowship of suffering that he would bring us into is right there at the cross, the dying of self. When we see that he suffered for us to advance the gospel itself so that we could be empowered, so that we could have new life. What was his motivation? See, this is, this is a key. You've heard me all year long say this. Do you have to do community with Jesus and with each other? Or do you want to? What was Jesus' motivation? It was this joy that Paul is teaching the Philippians. So saints pray. Saints proclaim Christ. Saints receive and serve the gospel. Look at uh, chapter 2, verse 12 and 13 with me. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only as my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to the will and to the work of his good pleasure. That's what I kept hearing over and over when was speaking, is that God's delivering you over and over again. This is God's job. This is a really funny situation where we don't allow God to 
to do what God does best is take us from these circumstances into peace and contentment. And many times it's fueled by, it can be fueled by evil, by Satan, by our sin. And many times when we're in these circumstances, we find that it is connected to our sin, and we'd rather wallow in that these tables. And God is asking you to receive the gospel. Receive that he will deliver you over and over again. It is to his joy that the gospel is in advance. This isn't a Paul thing. This is a Jesus thing. Jesus wants his name and his fame to be spread throughout his people. And how that happens is when you receive the gospel and he transforms you. When we pray over these matters, when we partner with each other... We dump our sins here at the table. He actually takes them away. And when he takes them away, he continues to transform you from a sinner to a saint. Any time that you come to him, this is his job. This is where he finds joy. When we become a part of each other's mire and muck, we don't like that. That doesn't come true for us. We say, I don't want to hear your stuff. Well, Jesus does. Thank God Jesus does. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you want my mess, my self-pitiful mess. Sometimes what gets you propelled to come up and to interact with Jesus in this way is that saints prayed for you. What saints should you thank today because you know they had your hiney, praying your hiney up throughout your life, I thank God that the saints pray. And sometimes somebody's coming up. How many times have you seen people? uh, Last week, you'd see people over here in a little bundle, and you see people here, and they'd be here because they're in it together for the gospel to advance the, the glory of Jesus Christ together, arm in arm. Not just husband, wife, not just families, people. Do you thank God for those other saints that God has put in your life? to proclaim and advance the gospel. You know what? Uh, Verse 12 and 13, is there's a direction, a spiritual direction to this. It's called humility. Saints have humility. When they serve and they receive the gospel, they know that they are continuously being made free through this process of relationship with Jesus. As we increase in our trust, we give Jesus more of our life. And we see that this sanctifying means that we're in this process of Him changing us and of us leaving and fleeing our sin. And then we understand, like verse 13 says, That it's He who is working in us. Are you receiving God's power continuously? Let me ask you a really religious sounding question. Are you walking more deeply in holiness? See, We not only want to advance the gospel and advance the idea that Jesus is the rescuer and we want to pray and partner with each other, but God has a work that he's doing in you. And it's like the word saint, isn't it? The word holiness just sounds so out of reach. 
Do you know that that's what God's doing and he's bringing in reach as he's changing your hearts? He's changing you. Are you truly being made more holy? Do you understand that the things of darkness and of sin are being set aside? Are you choosing the crown over the crap by his power? Look at verse 21 in uh, chapter 2. It says this, For they all seek their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven and how as a son with a father he served me in the gospel. Go ahead and skip down to 25 and says, I have a thought, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphrodites, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. Saints co-labor. They're selfless in their purpose. They're committed they have obedience. We've talked before about this, that God is having us co-labor, that it's a co-op. And there's two big hurdles in this as you look at uh, Timothy and Epaphrodites, the two guys that, that have been on mission with Paul. One is you don't see him talking about them being fatigued or drowsy. One big hurdle, if you're wondering if you're a saint that co-labors, is do you, are you constantly saying, I'm tired, I'm spiritually drowsy? That may be affecting the work that God wants to do in you. Have you prepared to be here on Sunday mornings? Maybe I'm speaking to the ones that aren't here today. If you're hearing this on tape tape. I'm a child of the 80s. I just said tape. But saints are co-laborers. They show up for each other. And here's the attitude. They don't show up for themselves. It's not an entitlement. We're battling this. You know what entitlement is? Entitlement is when you believe that you have rights and privileges without God doing the work in in you that would raise or elevate that status to maybe some form of leadership. Remember, this is an attitude of sanctification, which means there's a direction to that. And the direction is a descent. It's a humility. But sometimes we believe we're entitled and we're puffed up in the way that we're going to partner and do this with others. Watch your prayers. Listen to your prayers to see if you're entitled. What are you asking of God? Is it other-oriented? Because saints are co-laborers. And then he lays it down like this. He gives it in a couple different ways, right? Sometimes we're like, well, co-laboring, does that mean I'm the pastor? I'm the guy that gets up with the harmonica? Or, you know, how do I do that? How do I do that? Sitting here right now in this gathering, who am I as that person? Well, I remind you that he doesn't say Epaphrodites is this big teacher, preacher, hotshot guy. He likens him to son or brother or co-worker. But he talks about him being a priest. But here's, here's some things as I've looked through Philippians that I'd like you to write down. You may have wrote this down at another time. It's saints who are co-laborers have these six things going. One, they have the same spirit. You can't underestimate this. 
Sometimes you'll even run into people who say that they believe in Jesus, but their number one thing is not to advance the kingdom, to advance the gospel. So real gospel partners have that same gospel spirit. They're selfless. Number two, they're selfless. Three, they're single-minded. They're locked on to following the, the king despite all circumstances. They're single-minded in that they see life as living and hidden in Christ, living among community, and then serving the world with that love. That's, that's it. Their whole life is wrapped up into Christ community culture. They're not forsaking Christ. They're not forsaking the community. There's, sub, there, there's humility in their selflessness. So they're single-minded. Number four is they're, they're proven and tested. They battle. This is why he's bringing up the soldier, which may be a female disconnect. But he's talking about, which shouldn't be a female disconnect, as I think about my wife. When I think about the strength of a saint, is somebody who is tested and proven. That's part of how God forges us together, is we go through that together as well. Five, he says this. This is one of the things I thought that a saint is, is you are spoken of in this way. He says, he served with me. A saint is somebody that there's no doubt that they work side by side with you. That they're serving, that they're active. Six is that, and I already gave this one, he says he served as a son. So I want us to be praying about the people that we get to partner with. We have a garden out here, and there's saints that have showed up. Kathleen, Amy Gilkey have have led our garden out here. And then we've partnered with another Christ community called Bread and Wine. I'm, I'm telling you I want to partner with South Lake. Big church uh, in a neighborhood that's very different than here, but they care about our neighborhood. And we get to partner for our neighbors over at Roosevelt. We've partnered before with Imago Day. We want to partner. We have partners and saints within here who are building a recording studio right now that is top notch across the street. We have artists, in-house artists, where we're partnering with each other. The No Bones for, or the, the no bones for Half Tones, which sounds like a great band, but the event that we had called No Bones, screen printing, bringing mentors and mentees, and bringing the whole community into our building was a win for partnering. We partner not only with just saints, we partner with 25 businesses here in St. John's. I got a card the other day that said, please don't, it was about this size, it said, Sean, wanted you to know and not forget how valuable your leadership, your community, and all of Red Sea is to St. John's. We love you so much. This is from uh, a pagan, somebody who actually worships nature. I had an atheist this week from our community come to me and just was poking with questions. It wasn't very comfortable. But ultimately seeing if we would remain loving even though we had all of these different opinions. Her first question was, do you hate gays? 
We get to partner with people. Not just here, but out in the missional home communities. How will we serve? How will we continue to be on mission? We're partnering. That's what saints do. Saints worship by the Spirit of God. If you look at chapter 3, verse 3. It says this, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and the glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Saints are those who put their faith in the energio, right? The energy, the power of who God is. These are our distinguishing marks is that worship in the Spirit of God. It's not a cheap thing. Hey, thanks God. You're just keeping me alive. It's just wonderful cruising along with you. You're really good at keeping me going. I don't know how you've kept these lungs going after I've smoked that much pot. Or I've been a smoker for many years. How have you kept these lungs going? Or the way that I eat, this heart just keeps chugging. You're amazing. Thanks. We come in on Sundays just say, hey, thanks. I made another payment on my house. Another year went by. No, this is people who worship in the Spirit of God. Those understand that there's an immense power that comes to us. This is what it means to be a saint. We glory in Jesus. It's not a cheap thank you. We find nothing greater than, than His presence. I want you to look at uh, chapter 3 of verse 17 through 21. Saints are transformed. He talks about in 17 walking an example of the cross. It says that we walk in this pattern. This is the me-we, where if we're transformed, we understand that we have a new home, we have new goals, we have a new life. And that is walked out in the example of the cross. And then he talks about people who are remorseless, who are hiding their sin, who have a huge sin appetite, who have that stash we talked about last week, and those people who keep denying and become enemies of the cross, is what he says here. In chapter 3, verse 18. And Paul says, I have compassion on those people. He has tears for those who are remorseless. Have you run into a, a saint that is battered and bruised? Or have wounds that they refuse to, talk, to have the characteristics that we're talking about this morning in their life? And then they become remorseless about the way they walk separate from God. Have you seen a fallen saint? I was one for many years. I didn't believe in the church. I didn't believe in leaders. I didn't believe that God really was a part of His church at times. Because... I didn't see anybody loving and partnering and praying for each other. No, I didn't mean, I mean, they said those things. But I mean, really. We can all easily become an enemy of the cross. It's not the other person, it's you. Saints are focused on the cross. They're cross-centered in their living, right? Right? So, he says this in verse 19. 
Don't live in your infamy. Don't have an earthly mindset. He's saying we must flee that. And right now I'm thinking of Ephesians. Flip back a little bit. Ephesians 4, verse 20 will say, but that is not the way you learned Christ. See, he's trying to preserve the idea of transformation. He says, assuming, in verse 21 of chapter 4 of Ephesians, he says, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. He's saying your identity has totally been changed. You've been transformed. You're brand new. When did you forget that you're new? See, saints, remember that we live on the other side of the cross. We come to this side of the cross with our sins, and we are remorseful, and we are repentant, because we know that God has the power to renew us. This is why we get lost in the Spirit of God. This is why we see the glory of Jesus. This is why we partner and pray and advance the gospel, because what we're talking about here today is not bullcrap. It's the real deal, that it's not just some goofy, made-up religion, that we're not all just listening and trying to, to have some false meditations or some weird uh, lifestyle that we think is spiritual. No, we know that this is nameable. This is Jesus Christ. And so we glory in Him alone and we speak of Him alone and we follow Him alone. And this pattern of life has transformed us. And this empowerment has changed us from the inside. So we do peculiar things that come out as love to our neighbors and to our families. And we must flee and put off the old self. But do you want to? Or is it, yeah, I guess I should do that. I better start acting good. You know I'm a good person deep down. No, you're not. This is why you need Jesus. This is why we must be mindful. Look at verse 7 through 9 of chapter 4 as we close this out. Saints are mind. Minds aren't set on the earth. They're to the power. They don't wear their shame as their glory anymore. They don't just make up reasons why they don't want to participate and be humble. And I'm talking about Red Sea. I'm, I'm incredibly tired of people not showing up for each other. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. It's unacceptable. He's giving us models of this. Timothy and Epaphrodites. He's saying, walk in this pattern. Don't walk as an enemy across. Walk together. Be together. Have humility. Watch what happens. It'll get out of hand on you. And this is what he says in in, uh, chapter 4, verse 7. He says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's what he means when he says, You're hip to exalted things. When he's talking about your mind, where your mind is, you're hip to the things of God. This is the way that you're. He said, finally, brothers, whatever is pure, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Look at how he ends the letter. Chapter. Verse 23. 
The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Look at verse 9. As we practice, as we've learned and received and heard and seen, we practice these things that the God of peace would be with us. Let's sing a couple more songs. Let's come to the communion table, which makes it all possible to this way, to receive this gospel, to serve this gospel. Let's see the value of Calvary, of Golgotha, of the place of the skull, where Jesus died. Let's see where He was broken and poured out. And He said, do this in remembrance of Me. So as He breaks the bread, He says, do this in remembrance of Me. I heard another pastor one time say, yeah, He's talking about, do this until I come back. He's saying, partake in this communion, this sacrament, He's saying, come to this holy moment where I will take your sins and you will take this bread and you will dip it in that blood which is represented by the wine and the juice. And I will forgive you. And he talks over and over again about this transformation. But he says, do this in remembrance as well throughout the Scriptures, not in this way. He says, be broken and poured out. Will your life be a sacrifice? Will your life be broken and poured out? So as we look at the cross and we know that God's energio, that's the original, right? Back to the Greek. As we see the power of this life, as we see as saints that we can receive this power, that we can advance the gospel, that we can partner to each other and pray and be filled with joy because of the cross of Jesus Christ. how far away I am in this moment with you from my depression this week of being together and praising and having your heart filled by Jesus Christ. What was your circumstance? What's your circumstance that's pinning you down? And maybe it's gotten you thousands of times in this life. Maybe you've wanted to jump off the bridge. Maybe you've wanted to just walk away from that job. Maybe you've wanted to walk away from those people. Maybe you don't want to trust anybody else. We've all been there. When will we see each other? We're all there. Every single one of us. We go in and out of allowing God's beautiful power in His Spirit. We forget the Spirit of God. We forget what it means to glory in Jesus Christ. And that's why we come to this table. First, He reminds you. And then He will use your brothers and sisters, a.k.a. saints. I'm sorry we have to redefine that. We should be using that word. It's biblical. I'm sorry it sounds so religious and you may only like it in boondock saints or movie titles. It could only be made cool by violence. No, it can be only made cool because of the peace that God offers you through Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. Come to this table. Let's worship. Let's continue being the gathering this morning. And let me remind you, God has forgiveness for what I fear is somebody taking that little boy. We are the hands and feet. We must operate from peace. How does God have that peace and that love for you? 
is that's the power I'm talking about. It's not a tricky word, energio, energy, power. No, God's got the power to forgive you. Do you know that you're the, we are the same? We are sinners until we are forgiven, until we ask and repent and are remorseful. We're the same as people who hurt children, who hurt others. We are that. We are humanity. And God's plan went awry through sin. God does adore you. And you've sinned hardcore against people. You've hurt people, I promise you. If you're human, you have. And you've been hurt, there's no doubt. Don't let that stop you from living as a saint. Don't, don't take on the old life of sin. Move forward. Let the Holy Spirit draw you. 